The reading is from um, 1 Samuel, chapter 15. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people, Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telaim. 2,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek, um, Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, Go away, leave the Amalekites, so that I do not destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they come up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, to the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat calves, the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me, and he has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled, and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honour. And he has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you, I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission, saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on a mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king. The 
the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder. The best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. I'll just read read that again, that little bit. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? That's religion. As much as in obeying the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, which is witchcraft. And arrogance is like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. So let's talk about obedience. And I'll admit at this point, never been my strong point. I was an obedient child, but once I hit those teenage years, I was a rebellious person. I skipped school, and when I did go, I disrupted all the classes, so I think the teachers preferred me when I didn't go. I was telling my daughter about this yesterday, and she was, I can't think of you like that, Mum, but I was. I remember when my daughter first started teaching, she came home with a sore throat, after teaching this particular class, I think it was year 11. Because the only way she could get them to shut up and listen was to scream at them at the top of her voice. Sometimes it's really hard to gain obedience. But over the last three years, I have learnt obedience. This is what the Lord's been teaching me. And that's why I'm sharing it with you. I'm not preaching to anyone, only myself. I've been in working as a care, a carer. I've been looking after vulnerable people. And you have a lot of rules that you have to stick to. These volumes, files, this thick, a row of them on a shelf in the care home where I work. And you have to know all the rules and all the regulations. You have to do courses. You have to gain certificates. And you have to do the right thing all the time. You have to obey what the manager tells you to do. You have to obey everything in the instruction manuals. And I found it hard. Quite a few times, I'll be honest, I've had to get down off my high horse and just humble myself and do what I'm told because I have learnt that you have to obey health and safety rules. You have to obey food hygiene and hand hygiene you can't make mistakes when you're handing out medication. It's really serious stuff. You know, don't you, Julie? You know what I'm right. And I found it hard, but I've learnt to obey. Not to ask questions, but just to obey what they're telling me to do because they, they're the experts and they know what's right. So, let's look at Samuel. Samuel knew God's heart. When God was angry, Samuel was angry. When God was grieved, Samuel was grieved. And Samuel listened to God. 
from being a young boy when he was called by God to be a, a prophet. He listened to God and he was put in charge of Saul. And Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen. That's the first step in obedience, is to listen. You have to listen to the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of relationship that we are to have with God, the relationship that Samuel had with God. When God's word comes to you, you have to obey it. You don't challenge it. You don't change it. You don't modernize it. You don't alter it to fit your own opinions or choices. You just obey it. Israel wanted a king that wasn't God's plan for them. God was their leader. And God spoke to them through the prophets. And there was nothing wrong with that setup. But they wanted a king because all the other nations had a king. Enemy nations, but still, they wanted to be like everybody else. But we're not, are we? I remember the word of God came to me a few years ago. I'd gone to a meeting, it was called the Upper Room in Manchester somewhere, and um, it was two missionaries speaking, and I can still remember the sermon, it was really good, it really spoke to me, but then the girl, the lady who was sat next to me, at the end of the meeting, she said, I've got a word from God for you. So I went, hmm, doesn't happen very often, does it? She said, right, okay, so I listened. And she, she had a picture of a rabbit coming out of a burrow, and sniffing the air and looking round and going back in the burrow. And she said, that's you. And I, I thought, yeah, I'm in my comfort zone. I had a little, lovely little shop in Ramsbottom selling gorgeous things. You know, don't you, Barbara? You've been. And um, a lovely home. I did a nice car. A lovely church. We did the boot camp, so I did my bit at church. And I, had, I was in a comfort zone. And God's, and she said, God's bringing you out of the burrow. And that's all it was. God's bringing you out of the burrow. Well, <laughs> my shop failed. I sold my house. You know the story. Now I live by the sea. In a lovely house by the sea. And um, I started preaching after that as well. I'd never preached for years before then. I started preaching. And I've got this amazing job. And I'm, re- I'm happier than I've ever been in my whole life. And I don't know what God's got in store for me. I know this house is only temporary. And everything's temporary, isn't it? <laughs> but there's a lovely poem I've got pinned up on my notice board. Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Hallelujah. So the people all said to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so they will not die 
for we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. So that the people were aware that they'd not done right. But this is wonderful. Do not be afraid, Samuel replied, and this is God's heart for us. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. God wants to be first in our lives. And anything else, anything we put before God as most important in our lives is idolatry. We don't worship Baal anymore or put up Asherah poles in the high places. But idolatry is anything that you put before God. God wants to be the love of your life. Verse 2, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel. When you were faint and weary, they attacked you along the way and cut off all the stragglers at your rear. They'd just come out of Egypt, children of Israel. They were absolutely exhausted. I don't know how many, does anybody know how many? About three million people. I think there was about three million. Exhausted, following Moses and following God through the wilderness to the promised land. Now, who are the Amalekites? They attacked them at the rear. They cut off the pregnant women, the children who were probably running round, because children don't walk in a straight line, do they? So all the children would have been running round, babies, infants, old people, sick. They would have been at the rear of the crowd, and they were slaughtered by the Amalekites. They weren't going in the, they weren't after their territory, they weren't going in that direction. The unprovoked attack, they did fight them off. Amalek was the grandson of Esau, and there was a family feud. The Amalekites hated descendants of Jacob. They'd inherited a hatred of Israel. And Moses said, after that had happened, because theirs is a hand against the throne of God, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So there was 400 years of unrepentant hard hearts towards Israel. And the time had come for God to erase them. All that time didn't atone for their sin and didn't erase their sin. Only blood sacrifice and repentance together can atone for sin. And if you look at the Old Testament, this is interesting, you might know different, but I've looked at it and I've studied it. And there were burnt offerings, grain offerings, peace offerings, sin offerings, trespass offerings, blood sacrifices. But none of them were for deliberate sin. All the sacrifice, the blood sacrifices were for unintentional, accidental sin. Sin done in ignorance. Any deliberate sin, they were either put out of the camp, but 
usually put to death. Only the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. His blood, the debt is paid once and for all. Saul only half listened. He partially obeyed. He made his own rules. He spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle. I don't know why he spared Agag. Maybe just a respect for royalty. He was a king and Agag was a king. And quite often if there was a battle, to keep the best of the sheep and cattle, like spoils of war and the soldiers would be, that would be their payment. But this was an appointed judgment. And Amalek was not wiped out. And this caused trouble for David many, many times. And 500 years later, we read about the book of Esker. Haman was an Agagite, a descendant. And he tried to wipe out the Jewish race. He had a plan to wipe out the whole of the Jewish race in one day. And Saul was killed in battle. And an Amalekite delivered the final thrust of the sword. That's in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8 to 10. I didn't make it up. (laughs) So what is obedience for us? It's doing. James 1, 21 to 22. So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your soul. But be doers of the word and not merely listeners. If anyone only listens, it's like he looks in a mirror and forgets what he looked like. I was thinking about that. I have no idea what I look like. I know every one of your faces. I could. Turn, I don't have to look at you to know what you look like. I can picture you. But I don't know what, what I look like. And we do easily forget. When they came out of Israel, God told them to celebrate the Passover so they'd remember what God had done for them because they forgot Over and over again, they forgot. And when Jesus celebrated the Passover, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus knows that we forget. There's one thing we must never forget, and that's the cross. When you're young, it's easy to remember, isn't it? My grandson Jacob, when he was seven, he stood up in front of me and he recited the whole of the owl and the pussycat. I couldn't believe my ears. And then his mum came in and said, do you know he can recite the whole of the owl and the pussycat? She went, no, he must have done it at school. (laughs) Just learn, don't you? Remember. Me, my party piece, I know all the words to every song from The Sound of Music. (laughs) I remember when I was a care worker, I visited this lady who was in her 80s and she had Alzheimer's. 
She couldn't remember to go to bed. She couldn't remember to eat. And she couldn't remember to have a wash. All the basic things she'd forgotten. But she could sing the most beautiful Irish songs in the Gaelic language. And I used to sit there with my cup of tea and listen to her. It was lovely. She had a lovely, perfect, pure voice as well, even though she was in her 80s. And when you first become a Christian, I'm sure you've all done this, you, you learn scripture dead easy, don't they? She can't learn a scripture now. If I'd not learnt it in the King James Version when I was in my 20s, <laughs> I can't learn anymore. And I had some that I learnt, and this was one that I used to put in bereavement cards if anyone had died and I was sending a card. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will be with you. I used to say that a lot and write it a lot. But natural fact, it's only, I've taken it completely out of context, it's only half. The full scripture is this, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not, there you're doing, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God will transcend All understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a doing to receive that promise. Here's another one. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. I used to sing that. This is the true scripture. Paul, writing to the Philippians. When I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid. More than once when I was in need. I am amply supplied now I have received the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. I can do all things by taking a scripture out of context. (laughs) There is doing involved. Doing words, verbs. Love and faith are verbs. They're not based on how you feel, but they're based on the truth of the word of God. Pursuing God's presence, praying, listening, waiting, believing, repenting, sharing, giving, putting God first. Only when Israel, Moses, judges, the prophets, the kings, made God their only God. Only when they obeyed did they have the great blessing and success. Number one, listen to him. Number two, do what he says. These have always, always been the unchanging requirements. Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. Samuel had God's heart. Saul had made up his own rules and was celebrating his own achievement. Saul, what's wrong with sparing the life of a king and keeping the best of the sheep and cattle? What's wrong with that? Pride made Saul blind and deaf to God and his sin, his disobedience made sense to him. Hath God said, what's wrong 
with eating delicious fruit from a tree. What's wrong with sexual immorality? If it's two consenting adults and they're not harming anybody else, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with stealing as long as you don't steal from the poor people? Insurance companies, tax people, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with white lies and half-truths? The New York State legalises abortion up to birth for any reason. It's a democratic country. Majority rule. Okay, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with juicy gossip? We had a word about that, didn't we, a couple of weeks back. It's big business in the world. And then we hear the sadness in Samuel's voice when he says, What is this bleating of sheep in my ears? In verse 35 we read that Samuel and Saul never saw each other again, though Samuel mourned for him until the day he died. Then David was king. And then Solomon was king. And just to finish off, to take a look at Solomon's temple. He built, it took seven years to build. And it stood for 400 years. And it was absolutely magnificent. It was built from quarried stone. And the walls were lined in cedar the floors of juniper planks, the doors of olive wood, all carved with cherubim and palm trees and open flowers and overlaid with solid gold. All the vessels and furnishings were solid gold and it housed the Ark of the Covenant. It was fearfully and wonderfully made. The Queen of Sheba heard about the Solomon's Temple and she thought, I'm going to go and look at this for myself. This is my interpretation. She was gobsmacked when she saw it. And then kings came, good kings died, bad kings came and died. Good, bad, good, bad. You read all about it. Mostly bad. The occasional good king, like... Hezekiah. But then Hezekiah had a son called Manasseh. And he reigned for 55 years and he was really evil. And he brought, I couldn't believe this when I started to think about it, I felt a real righteous indignation against Manasseh and the people of Israel. He built altars and set up graven images to Asherah and Baal in the temple. He worshipped the sun and moon gods in in Solomon's temple. And I just thought, how could he? How could he do that? And God said to me quite clearly, well, don't you then? Do you not know? that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. 
To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry. God requires our complete obedience. We have to give all. It's the only way. And all we really have to do is be willing. God does the rest. Some things are easy to obey God with, aren't they? I mean, if you're happily married, you're not going to be tempted to commit adultery. If you've got lots of food and clothes, you're not going to be tempted to steal can all say that easy to do that well Saul did the easy bit but then made his own rules up for the that he didn't quite want to do 